0: This is
1: My name's DJ Alex, and I'm here to say I'm not all that familiar with rap culture. And you'll know by that awkward opening that this is, in fact, the AlexCast. The one, the only, the inimitable, because that's a word that I pronounced correctly. AlexCast. I should finish that statement. I got so wrapped up in the fact that I don't know how to say that word. Inimitable. Inimitable? Yes. Those. That thing enjoy it. Yes, so I'm doing a solo show tonight, you may notice by the fact that I am doing a solo show tonight. But Alex, what does that mean? It means that this entire show is going to be devoted to Hope Solo and all of her great work. I don't know if Hope Solo is a woman, nor do I know what I know that name from. I'm gonna guess it's an athlete. Hope. Hope sounds like a lady name, so let's go with that. Good. Enjoy. This episode of the show is brought to you by the Standard. You can find them at facebook.com/thestandardpdx. That's the bar I go to in Portland. I love them a lot, and I mean that. That's not just a that's not a pitch. I actually love them. I enjoy that bar a lot. So I'd very much like you guys to go there. So go find them in Portland, 14 Northeast 22nd in Portland, Oregon. So yes, go enjoy drinks, have fun, visit me. I'm usually there on Sunday nights doing some editing, drinking two-dollar microbrew beers. If you like a little bit more of a Cheaper alternative, there's Wednesdays. is $1 Ham's night. The Ham's it's like kind of like a Pabst Blue Ribbon, kind of American lager-style beer. And it's a dollar, so go there. So, facebook.com slash thestandardpdx. Enjoy. Soak it in. Yes. Things. Stuff. Yes. Okay. So, let us get to some stories, some things. I ask every week on Twitter when I'm going to do a solo show, and actually often when I have guests on for, um, I ask... On Twitter at the AlexCast, if anybody has any questions for me, any comments, any concerns, anything you want to provide me so I can do my show better. And if I do my show better, that means that you get to listen to a better show. In this case, not really, because it's not a very good show. Oh, well, actually, maybe in that it's not a very good show, your contribution might actually bump. Yeah, so really, you should be writing to my show, because you'd be writing to an already good show. Like a lot of you do, like you're trying to interact with Joe Rogan or, or you know, some some other thing, J Church Radio. That's already those are already good shows, so it's not like you're going to make them better with your question. You know, at best, you're going to continue a good trend. My show blows, so if you contribute to my show, it can only get better. So statistically, it's better to contribute to the Alex Cast because it's already at the bottom of the barrel; it can't go lower. It must go higher, so you can kind of guarantee an improvement to a product. And who doesn't want to improve a product? No one. That's the answer. And I mean, unless the product's like, you know, hate or genocide or something. Or like, um... Or, you know, some kind of, uh... Like some kind of, like, roller skate culotte stretch pants combo. Um, you can, you you know, you don't have to get behind that. Thank you. So I said stuff to, at the Alex cast. I was trying to picture what I just imagined, because I don't know what a lot is. I know that word, but I said it out loud, and I realized, oh, I don't really know what that is. I know it's very similar to someone's first name, because I think there's somebody called Koolop. I think it's Scott Ackerman's wife from Comedy Bang Bang. Not that, not that she's from Comedy Bang Bang, but... Scott Ackerman is. I'm gonna start doing the show now. I'm terribly sorry for this opening. Uh, pressing on, <clears throat> Chris Reddy at Chris Reddy. Chris is spelled C H R I S. His last name is spelled R E D D I E. If you put the at symbol before those two names, those two names are as one. There is no space. There's no underscore. There's there's nothing. There's not a tilde. There is not a dash. There's not a accente grande. There's not a single bang to be found. At Chris Reddy asks, What would you do if you met a ghost? Would you try to get sexy with it? I think S-E-C-Y is probably slangy modern parlance, internet slang for sexy. Well, what would I do if I met a ghost? There's a lot of permutations of this question. There's a lot of ways we can break this down. What do we mean by meeting a ghost? Do I mean or do you mean, or does the question mean? Unfortunately, I'm the only one here, so I'm going to have to answer this myself. Am I seeing a spectral entity, a wisp of vapor out of the corner of my eye? Am I catching a human-like form in the periphery? Or am I seeing a full-body apparition? Am I having communication with it? Uh, Does it have a solid body? Can it interact with this world? Is it like... Patrick Swayze in the beginning of the movie Ghosts, or right after he dies, spoiler alert, in the movie Ghost, Or is it later in Ghosts, where he learns how to move objects using his will from that creepy-looking guy on the subway? Or is it like The Sixth Sense, where you kind of think you're a dude and you can sort of interact, but it turns out you're not really interacting using clever editing techniques? I don't know. So, if I met a ghost, and assuming it's a full-body apparition, essentially it's like I'm talking to another person. Um, that other person has, uh, you know, a, a usable body, you know, you it, it can, it can interact with the world. We're having conversation. And as long as we're getting along, well, I, I, first I would do, uh, what would I do is I would ask the ghost, what, what's the afterlife like, um, or is there heaven, hell? Is there somewhere in there in between? Is this a, a reincarnated thing? Uh, why are you stuck here? Is there anything I can do to help you? You know, if this is something that you get to uh, reincarnate, if your life has not been fulfilled, if you've not achieved your Buddha nature, would you like to reincarnate? Would you like to just be shuffled loose as mortal coil? What are you holding on for? Why are you in my apartment? I would ask a bunch of questions. Once the battery of questions are over, uh, as long as we're getting on well... Um, so I'd interview Fears and then uh, would I try to get sexy with it? Well, I mean, okay. Here's the thing. Let's let's. This is a hypothetical world. I am I'm in I'm in a relationship at the moment, so no, I would not. Because even though I don't think technically getting sexy with a ghost would count as cheating, I would count it as cheating because it's emotional cheating. Because I'm a person. I don't, I'm not gonna. I'm not flippant with where. I place my desires or my actions or my emotions. And I, I want to feel something for someone that I'm connecting with physically, or in this case, metaphysically or, uh, astrally or some other variant form thereof, uh, ectoplasmically. So I'm going to have to really care for this person. So I'm going to have to be single first. Then I'm going to have to care about this ghost person. And then if I care about them, yeah, I might try to get sexy with, with the ghost, but there's, there's some other problems here is because also, What kind of future do we have together? Because, well, I mean, is the ghost gonna be with me always? Is it, can it sleep? Is it gonna bother me while I'm sleeping? Can ghosts get mad? Can ghosts follow me around? Is it gonna be like a really clingy kind of ghost girlfriend? Because I don't want that. Um, I wanna have a, I wanna have that ghost have an independent life, and I have an independent life, and then, but we're, we're partners in our ghost human relationship. Like, me and that ghost are part of a tag team. Like, we make one whole person. Like, almost like that ghost is my soul, even though it's not my soul. It's somebody else's, as, as, as discussed in, when we first met, you know, and we had that really long conversation. So, um, but I, but I need, I need it to be, you know, kind of independent while being, uh, a part of me, you know, like any kind of strong relationship. And I think that's going to be tough because we would have to be living in the same place. And I'm assuming ghosts don't sleep and, that ghost probably doesn't have a lot of interaction with other people. So, I think I think you'd have to really think about it for a while to really kind of weigh the options of, do I want to get into a relationship that has really no outlet? Uh, I can't ask the ghost to move out if we break up because it's my apartment, you know, that, that it's haunting. I mean, unless it has the ability to go and haunt something else. Um, and then... Or is like if it goes really well me and this ghost get along like amazingly we're having ghost sex every night it's like that scene from Ghostbusters where um where Dan acker gets blown by the ghost like like we're having like all sorts of ghost sex and it's awesome like my 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 essence is mixing with her ectoplasm and and it's romantic and it's sexy and and it's and it's sweaty slash ectoplasmically sweaty and it's wonderful and you're like, oh this is love. Will the ghost make me kill myself? Is is that like marriage? Like, if you're dating a ghost for long enough, does the ghost go down on one spectral knee and say, honey, will you stop your heart for me? And that's weird, because how do you take your marriage vows? Because for better or worse, do death do you part? It would be death do you start. Which I didn't mean to rhyme. As referenced earlier in the show, I'm not very good with rap. Is it like a Ghostbusters thing? Where... We could be sucked into some kind of trapped box from a ballroom and then thrown into a containment unit and a red haired man uh, will walk in and I would say, would you like some coffee? Yes, have some. Or is it, um, or is it like, um, some other movie I can't think of? Is it like Beetlejuice? Am I like Alec Baldwin? Is my ghost like whatever the lady that, Gina Davis, Gina, is that Gina Davis? Yeah, I'm gonna go Gina Davis. I can't think of who that is. But is that it? Will we have a hot kind of goth girl called Lydia around the house? Will I have people come in and make strange sculptures? I don't know. Will Otho be there? These are a lot of questions, and I don't really have answers to it. But assuming, you know, I, I feel like there's there's some kind of way for our relationship to progress forward, um, that I feel like I can commit emotionally to this spectral remnant of a once vital human. um, but yeah, I'd probably try to get Secky with it. I probably would. But, you know, kind of break my heart if it didn't work out. Or if, or if, as I said, ghost marriage is, is killing yourself. And then be weird, too, because you'd presume that the ghost no longer ages. Or maybe the, the ghost can control what it looks like, but you know i the ghost would watch me age like any of those um kind of any kind of show based around an immortal struggling with his his or her immortality uh the one thing is you get to watch everyone you care for grow old and die and uh that's like the big uh that's the big reveal that it's like man that immortal really is torn up inside he or she is lonely uh, like the new show forever on whatever channel that is with fantastic four stretchy man who is a police detective uh ghost immortal guy that's a forensic investigator or something it's quincy me but with the guy from fantastic four so anyway that's the answer to your question chris Reddy. whatever i just said is exactly the answer i want to give don't worry um people that listen to the show that like when i talk about like um spirituality and uh i guess that was technically spiritual but uh or like serious topics i'll get to one later but i want to i want to go these first because well um that's what I want to do, so I don't know why you're questioning me. I don't know what your problem is, but but there's that. So thank you, Chris Reddy, for the fine, fine question. Um, I have another question here. The um was not part of the question. Maybe it is, but he didn't type it. This is from our friend A.G. Marquez, local aspiring stand-up and fine gentleman. How much of my body do I have to sell to make a living? Like I have really soft and strong hands, and I'm pretty open to suggestion. Well, I mean, a a kidney, you can get probably about twenty five grand, I think. Lungs more. Uh, you need your heart, but like, I think for assuming you're in. I mean, I know you're not in good shape, but like, um, that came out really fucking wrong. I meant with the times we've seen each other, we were in drinking establishments, so I I can't imagine. Uh, you know, you've got runner's lungs, but I suppose you could probably get. So, how much of your body do you have to sell to make a living? I mean, you could probably get. I'd probably say without dying, you probably get sixty thousand. So, I mean, if you if you live frugally, um, you know, it's a living. You can get you. know, you can get a, you, a few years out of that maybe. Um, yeah, but I think I think what you're what you're actually going for is is um. What, you know, how much of your body do you have to sell? I would say all of it in that if you, if like what I sell my body uh, for money too is where I go to work, I bring my body to work uh, Monday through Friday and then I get paychecks, uh, a paycheck uh, once every two weeks. And then, so it's like, it's really all of my body that I'm selling to make a living. It's just, uh, it's not actually the body. It's my intellectual usage and and, and knowledge base and, and stick to So all of it, none of it. And also, if you have soft and strong hands, why don't go into massage work? I mean, it's, it's, I I think maybe they make some money. I, I don't really know. I don't know how much mas, mas, masseurs make, but that'd be good. Like, go and get some massage classes and you can be like a creepy massage dude. Um, you don't necessarily have to be creepy, but I just have a thing. Well, I I. I, I've not met many male massage therapists that weren't like a little creepy. Um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like male photographers. And and I have friends that are, that are both of these things that I'm saying, but there's like a little, there's a little, it's just, there's it's just kind of inherently creepy. So yeah, that's what you do. So, so go into massage therapy and then do that. And then you can like, you know, make a living off of it. And I think, you know, being an aspiring stand-up, I think having that background of, of massage would be good because it's a portable trait. So you can, you know, put, put an ad up on Craigslist saying like, Hey, you know, anybody want a massage? You know, I'm, um, I'm in town working at the Chuckle Hut. Yep. You know, anybody, anybody have, uh, uh, like a, like a large stress level that they, that they would like to have lowered? And then you can answer and then, you know, uh, ps- I was going to end that with a, with a really horrible thing, but I'm not gonna... So, there's that. There's your answer to your question. The burning question of, of humanity that AJ asked. Here's a problem with this segment. I don't actually have enough questions to, like, make it a thing today. Um, so, I kind of, like, I'm trying to, like, draw them out, but that one would have been fun if I had, like, another follow-up, like, a rapid-fire thing, but I don't. Um, uh... Okay, I'm going into the email that I'm not allowed to say who sent it. Uh, What advice do you have for new podcasters? I should have thought about this before I went in and and read questions. Um, not much. Oh, you know, I do. No, I have some. Okay, new podcasters. Here's the thing. Is, not that I have a huge audience, but the reason I have the audience I have is, uh, it doesn't matter about talent or lack thereof or, or content or guests. The reason I have the audience I have It's polymath. But the main thing is I made my show sound good. I will take the Pepsi challenge on an episode of my show versus an episode of any given really popular podcast. My show sounds, I'm not going to say as good, but pretty fucking close to as good as like a Joe Rogan or Adam Kroll or one of the big, the, you know, the big, huge guys. Um, not to say that it's right there. But it's close enough that this doesn't sound bad. This isn't going to distract you from audio quality. There's, there's shows that I've listened to that I actually like a lot, but I can't listen to because the audio quality is just such shit. And not that it's like hard to hear, but it's just, you expect a certain fidelity, you know, a certain, a certain quality to what you're listening to. And there's so many good podcasts out there, at least that sound good, that it's really difficult to drop down sound levels because there's, Vast choices of podcasts. And the easiest way to turn somebody off from a podcast is having shitty, sh- shitty sound. So that's advice number one. I think that's super important. And some people can get away with poor sound quality. This is true. So if you're thinking of like some show you really like, but that's the rare exception, like the rare, rare, rare exception, the vast majority of it are going to lose. And even, even the ones that are successful with bad, bad audio, bad, you know, sound they would have more listeners if they had better sound. I you know there's some shows that I again I I like but I can't listen to because it's just it's too distracting. So that's one. Two is don't try to get too big too quick and get frustrated. Um there this is a bloated bloated market. Some people are still getting popular like at some some shows are still kind of clawing their way up and you know some people do get kind of not overnight success but kind of quick success but don't get frustrated and don't think it's going to happen because most of the time it's not going to happen feel you know have hope of course but don't think that this is you know a necessary thing like do it because you enjoy doing it that's that's why we're here that's why i do this like you know there's i certainly bitch about the show a lot but it is an outlet it is a creative form and it does kind of keep me feeling like i'm existing in a creative universe still so i enjoy the show it does a lot for me um so i to say wow this is a fucking i think i just had a stroke <laughs> what i'm saying is i forgot why i was telling you why i like the show what i mean is don't do the show because you want to get popular don't do the show because you know you want listeners do the show because you want to do a podcast you actually think this is something you enjoy i don't know that i would still be doing the show if i had you know five people that listen to each episode. But I, I I think I would. Like, I'm pretty sure that as long as I have... Just... As long as I'm not broadcasting... Not that I'm broadcasting. As long as I'm not putting this out there for, you know, three people, two... Even three people. Even in my head, I would feel like I just had this pang of, nah, I kind of would do it for three. The thing is, yeah, you want to do it. It's, it's the same as, you know, I equate it to being a writer. Is I don't write... Because I think it's going to be successful, you know. I, I know I bitch about this book, my last book, Failing. But I, I'm not bitching because it wasn't a bestseller, you know. I, I'm, no one's no one's thinking that. Same as podcasts. You have to do it because you love it. You have to do it because it's satis- it's satisfying to have done it, you know. So that's those are two bits of advice. And then um, you're going to run into a lot of people. I shouldn't. I shouldn't speak so definitively, but I, I found that I ran into a lot of people that think they want to be on a podcast, that think they have radio chops, uh, that think that to go back to the first one that they want to be on podcast, and then they don't actually want to be on one um uh, then you know you'll have a hard time tracking them down and they're just there'd be a litany of excuses. Don't bother with those people. They're just not there. There's for, this is weird. I think it's I think stand-up is like that too. There's a lot of people that like want to be a th- that talk about doing stand-up a lot but don't actually do it. Uh this is podcast stuff too. A lot of people talk about wanting to do something along these lines and never actually get to it. And if you have people that are like, Oh, I want to come on the show. I want to come on the show. And they, they, they keep kind of bailing on you or just doesn't work out miraculously. Just, just throw them to the side. It's just there. It, there's just, it's a thing that happens. And, you know, I can't explain it, but I've certainly run into it enough. And then if you find people that are, um, how does one put it? Don't be afraid to say no to bookings. There are people that asked me a lot to come on the show that I've said no to, not because I, like, I'm even, and I'm desperate for guests, but it's just that there is a level of, yeah, it's nice to talk to people, but when you're dragging someone, kicking and screaming through a conversation, it's not fun to listen to as a listener. At least I don't think so. And again, I do the show for, I want to put out a show that I would listen to if it like, if this show existed and I wasn't me, I'd, I would fucking love this show. Like, this is the weirdest fucking thing ever. Like, I would, I would adore the Alex cast if I, if I didn't, you know, have really low self esteem and hate me. Um, which I do. I, I don't like myself very much, but I would love this show. It's so fucking weird. Like, it makes no sense. And I, I like this show, uh, except for my part of it, which is most of it. But I mean, that's the point. So do shows that you would like. So you're gonna run into, uh, people that really wanna come on and just, don't feel bad saying no you may actually fuck some friendships up because of it but like it's one of those things where well you know if your friendship was so so you know crummy that you know you could you know you could uh you could you know be broken up by you know a uh sorry i got distracted i just <sighs> sorry i got super distracted right there jesus christ i just i have the fuck what i'm talking about who gives a shit all right that's podcast advice I go, my brain does this thing where I just think about, like, the absolute, like, worst, uh, case scenario for, like, anything, and I just went down this, like, I'm trying to talk to you guys, and I just got distracted, I'm thinking about something completely else, oh, Jesus Christ, be fucking present, Alex, Jesus fucking God, um, I, I, I just hate that when you get so distracted, you know, it's, um, I was just, there's someone I was worried about for a second. And then I went through this, you know, you just go through this like worst case scenario thing. And it's like, ah, fuck dude. It's just, it's absurd. It's, it's an absurd thing. And my stupid brain keeps firing this. And it's, I, I've spent years studying mindfulness meditation to try to like, you know, be in the moment, be present, be on the show. And the show is usually the time that I can be present. But every now and again, you just get this like jarring shock, like, ugh, yeah, anyway, so that's, um, that's that. My brother, Craig, who's been on the show, asked me, what do I think about convergent evolution? And I actually have thought about this a lot. Uh, I think this is part of the overall theme of my viewpoint of the universe is, is kind of based on something like this, is that Convergent evolution, let me let me describe what it is if you don't know what that is. Essentially, it's when two things that look very much like each other, like, two very different things evolve completely separate from each other. Like, they come up with the same thing. So, like, um, I wish to God I had an example right now, but, like, let's say that, um, oh, there's so many of them. Like, oh, oh, um, uh, thorns uh, on, a, on a cactus. You know, like, these cactus-looking things. Well, they have them in, you know, in, in, in Southern parts of America. And then there's like other things that develop thorns that have no evolutionary connection until like way the fuck back. So like these two completely different strains of stuff come up with the same solution to a problem, you know, predators. So they both develop thorns. That's um, so that's kind of, that's convergent evolution. So, I mean, but it goes with uh, animals as well and yada, yada. But I think this is the same thing. As sacred geometry, um, Fibonacci sequences, and why we find pattern recognition and patterns in everything. Is that, essentially, the way that nature expresses itself is by the easiest solution possible. So, like the Fibonacci sequence, if you look up, just look up the um, the Fibonacci sequence, the Fibonacci spiral, the sacred spiral, um, the... There's, there's a bunch of it you' just, just look it up, you'll see what I'm talking about. but essentially like it's like a, a, a nautilus shell. you know like there's a dot in the middle and starts spreading out and then gets larger and larger and larger out. Sunflowers express themselves this way, artichokes, um, th- everything. it's just but the reason for it is that the way that nature expresses itself is by natural laws. So if you have a cell structure and you know it blossoms out, the way that it blossoms out would be like so one would become two and then now you need space for two. Now there's two that can blossom out that's going to, you know, exponentially be four. So now you just need twice the space. And then four goes to 16. And then 16 goes to, fuck you, I ain't doing that in my head. But you can kind of picture that in your head, how that would, like, if you just draw a line to connect one and make a circle around you can see how that would start making a spiral outwards. You know, the sacred Fibonacci spiral, the sacred spiral. That's not, I mean, yeah, that's magical, that's spiritual, because that's... That's fucking cool. Like, but in the same way, like the Grand Canyon is, where it's not unexplainable. It's the way that nature would naturally produce itself. So, sacred geometry works this way too. Like, look up, um, look up the Flower of Life. I've been talking to my friend uh, Mel about this. The way you make the Flower of Life is essentially you just look up the Flower of Life. Do yourself a favor. Essentially, it's these circles. Like, uh, essentially, you draw a circle, and then you you take a point. On the edge of that circle, and then draw another circle of the exact same size. Then everywhere they intersect, you draw another circle. And you start noticing that these patterns start appearing. You start seeing essentially flower shapes. And then, like, so you draw, I forget how many, um, 20 something, uh, circles. And from there, you can derive all the platonic forms, the platonic solids, um, the, the fundamental shapes of geometry. You can see the, um, the, the, Kabbalah tree of life starts showing up there like just the pattern of it and again this is all pretty just look I'll put a link in the show notes so uh, I'll try I'll find a webpage that kind of shows this a little bit easier it's it's hard to picture you can see the Merkaba, like which you've heard me talk about on the show um, you can see the um, Metatron's cube which is one of the sacred geometry things but anyway it's just circles being connected by circles using just where they intersect to draw another circle it's just as simple as that and from there blossoms out the totality of nature like you can find within those intersections you can find pi you can find um the one that isn't pi that goes the other way that i'm not good enough at math but if math people know what i'm talking about you can find um the fibonacci sequence you can like th- there's so many things that are found immediately in there because well that's because that's how nature expresses itself the reason that the fibonacci sequence is that way is because you know 1 plus 1 is 2, 2 plus 1 is 3, 3 plus 2 is 5, 5 plus 3 is 8, 8 plus 3 is 11. So the reason that these start moving outwards like that is because that's the way the nature would express itself, because that's the way nature works. The reason that we find it miraculous is because we don't see it on that kind of one-to-one level. We see it as, holy shit, two, you know, a cactus and, and a rose both developed a spiky thing, but a cactus and a rose aren't, you know, connected enough to maybe a cactus and a rose are connected. Forgive me, botanists that are yelling at me, but the point is... Things can evolve separate but in the same way. Like, um, there's marsupials. There's marsupial cats that look like a fucking cat. If you looked at the Tasmanian tiger, it's like this dog-looking thing, like a hyena, but it's a marsupial. It evolved completely separate from hyenas. They have no relation uh, evolutionarily. There's no relation. And yet they express themselves the same way because pressures allowed cells to, you know, and mutations to kind of mutate in a way that, you know, they become advantageous and they develop and then develop and they develop and then speciation, you know how evolution works. But it's not surprising because that's the way that nature works. God, this I'm sounding like an idiot. It's so hard to describe because it's like one of these things that's so simple and it's kind of hard to see because it's so simple. Like, we're not surprised when we drop a ball, bo- we're not surprised that we drop a ball and it falls or that if we drop a uh, anything like we're not surprised gravity works because gravity works is there. It's this. It's this fundamental force. It's something that pervades all of our life. It's just gravity is there. So we're not. We're not. There, there's no miracle there. So, but gravity is a force that works on everything. So if you look at let's say trees or deep sea animals. There's different pressures, deep sea animals, literary pressure, but like, so gravity makes the, the fiber structures of trees work in a, in a way that it can kind of fight against the force of gravity or fight against wind. We're not like, Oh, wow, what a, what a miraculous thing that these trees can move upwards. Like, holy crap. Like, you're not, your mind isn't getting blown. Like it's getting blown with like the Fibonacci sequence or the, or the, the flower of life because it's a little bit more intrinsically knowable. But if you look at, like, a cellular level, it's the exact same thing. It's just circles being drawn on circles. So it's mutations being, you know, slightly different from there, from one thing to another and then developing forward. So fiber structures in a tree is just as miraculous as the Fibonacci sequence, but we don't see it because it's a little, like... Is this making sense to you guys? I'm sorry that it's so... It's hard to describe because it is this kind of fundamental... Fundamental structure of the universe, but it's one that we don't see so readily, so it becomes miraculous. Like, if we, if you knew, like, to take gravity for example, gravity is a weak force. Now, we think gravity is this amazing force. Like, we can, you know, gravity is the thing that holds us to the earth. Like, it's this, it's the thing that if you fall off a building, which will kill you. Well, actually, it's the force of impact that will kill you, but. A fucking, you know, a fridge mag- magnet beats gravity. Helium with latex surrounding it beats gravity. No, we're not amazed by that because it's just like, oh, yeah, that's the way it works. But because that's the way it works, that's the way nature expresses itself. So if we had helium-based animals, you would you would think they would be moving upwards in the same way that we would see sacred spirals moving outwards because that's the way exponential math works. In the same way that you can see cell structures dividing and then mutating and dividing, you could see them expressing themselves. These are all like the, they're all all the forces are very similar, so you could see things expressing themselves in a similar way. So, given the same universe, you get not like, given the same universe. If you restarted Earth from once we had s- amino acids or like whatever that really really early like pre cellular life like when it's like we're just about to start cellular life if we could restart earth and then run the program again we would probably see very very similar things because that's just the way the pressure applied moves things you know it's not you know in the same way that dropping a bowling ball on concrete you're either going to see the concrete crack or the bowling ball crack that's just the way that the pressures applied to work now if you drop the the cracked bowling ball that's cracked in half you drop that half again it'll be cracked in half you're not going, oh, the nature of God is expressing itself. No, because you can see it, but if you do it the other way, it becomes this kind of magical thing. So convergent evolution to me is kind of like the another expression of this kind of sacred geometry thing where it's all it is it is it is a descriptive of the way that the pressures of the universe express itself in ways that we can see a little bit more readily. And I think this is probably I think physics probably works very much on this way, too. Like, uh, the deep physics, you know, like early, you know, uh, a millisecond after the Big Bang sort of physics uh, works on this same principle. So, I hope that made sense. I, I think maybe it did. Um. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm going to pretend that made sense. Good. So, that's, that's convergent evolution. That's sacred geometry. That's the flower. Look at the flower of life and then pretend you're seeing cells divide and then throw in a mutation in the, in the, in the, in the tree of life by like making one of the circles smaller and then watch how it starts. Oh, this is a great experiment. Thank you. Get a, get a compass. Like the thing, you know, the, the, like a compass, like an architect's compass, a ge- geometry compass, not a thing to make you look North. Start drawing the, 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 the flower of life. Just look up how to do it. Now, when you're, I don't know, halfway done, change the diameter of the compass and then start doing it. And then, and call that a mutation watch how, watch how, that drawing now starts spiraling off. And not necessarily spiraling off, but you'll watch it mutate. You'll watch it get weird. And just picture that's life. So, sacred geometry is life working in kind of a linear way, expressing itself in that. But once you change one small thing, you can watch life express itself in a different way, also linear, but with a mutation. That's convergent evolution. It's... Do you see what I'm saying? Because it's the pressure of the change of the circle being reacted to by the geometry you're looking at, which... I hope that made sense. I think it did. Anyway, do that and you'll be like, oh, I get what Alex is saying. And then you should be really afraid because you're like, oh, my God, I understood what Alex was saying. <laughs> um, yes. So that is sacred geometry and convergent evolution. Um, what else was I? Oh, OK. Yeah. So this is the other one I wanted to get to. Uh, you know, actually, let's take a break right here. I'm going to throw a song in. And, um, I'll be right back. I know I don't play song. I played a song last, last week, but I'm going to be right back, uh, with another thing. And, uh, yeah, we'll close out the show with that. So yeah, uh, hold on just one second.
0: Out of the standard, fourteen northeast twenty-second. Fourteen northeast twenty-second, northeast Portland, conveniently in
1: America. Perfect. And we're back. Thank you very much for bearing with me there. I had to take care of a thing about a thing. I it didn't make any sense. Essentially, do I want to describe this? maybe the idea is I needed to plug something in and then I was watching something happen on uh, Facebook kind of in the background that I thought was going to be about the show. And then I got distracted. So I just thought, okay, you know what I'm going to do is going to take a break, look at Facebook, uh, figure, figure this out. And then I'll come back. And uh, that's what I did. Cause I, I couldn't not look because it was a time sensitive thing and I hate lying to you guys. So I just thought, all right, you know what? I'm just going to show you that there's going to be a break here. And well, I mean, I used to play a lot of music on the show, so I'll just play a song because why not? Um, I played a song last week and I kind of liked it. So anyway, um, I'm back. And yes, the other question, uh, this is one that I've been putting off for a couple weeks, not putting off, but I didn't have find time. Um, uh, Fortean writer, uh, Mr. Martin J. Clemens, a very good friend of the show, wonderful man. Uh, Follow him on Twitter at Fortean Writer. Go to paranormalpeopleonline.com. Look at his website. I've actually written an article for there, and he's written a review of Periphery, my novel, which you can find on Amazon.com. Look at uh, Alex Bolin, Periphery. It's a good book. Uh, you guys should read it. Be fun. Yay! So yes, I want you to go and follow at Forty dm Writer. So he asks, "Is life an obligation? We obligated to live fully and completely, and if not, is failing to do so really a waste?" Um. Well. I should have I should have had an answer for this already, shouldn't I? Well, yeah. Welcome to the Alex cast. I think life is an obligation. Um, that part I can be pretty clear on. I think as long as you are physically healthy enough, um, and I say physically because uh, uh, you know, as as we've discussed well enough on the show, I certainly struggle with uh, mental health issues at times. But that's why I say physical health enough. If you have physical health enough that you can continue, like, a quest to get your head on straight, to live a fruitful life, I think you are obligated to hang around. Um, I think the idea of this whole, you know, being a person, uh, having this meat existence is improvement, is kind of introspection, and is effort. So, if you still have the capability to move forward, if you have the capability to improve, to to better your situation, and it doesn't matter if you think that there's no bettering it, that just means you have to find a new way to try. Yeah, you're obligated to keep moving forward. Um, you are obligated to keep your life going for as long as possible, as long as you're healthy enough to do something about it, to, you know, to live a full life. I, it starts to get weird. It starts to get weird around, around... You know, when when sickness comes, I'm trying to be, sorry, I'm trying to be politic here because I don't I don't want to say like, oh, if you're physically disabled or, or you have a physical issue, you should fucking off yourself. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm more saying if you're someone that's mentally, you know, that you have, you know, mental health issues, as, as a lot of us struggle with, as long as you still have the capability on a physical level to find a way out and not to not to say that you that there is going to be a way out to be found. But as long as that capability is there, as long as yes, you're beholden. To continue. It is an obligation. Because the other option, I mean, it isn't one. The other option is, you know, just to take the atheist perspective is, is you know, the complete cessation of thought and everything and, you know, you causing immense pain to the people around you and the people that care about you. That's not fair. And it's not fair for us either. It's not fair for us to suffer every day. Like, I i i have a lamentable life on that level it is not fair that i have to be this sad all the time not all the time but like you know yeah it blows however it's not fair you know when a stray bullet fucking knocks somebody's fucking skull in when you know they're on their way to graduate school you know it's not fair when uh i just say graduate school because i was going to say a little kid because i was thinking of those drive-bys that used to happen all the time in the 90s maybe they still happen and they're just not media coverage but um I didn't want to say little kid. And then I say graduate school. I freaked out because I actually know a few people that are in graduate school and I started to get really worried. I'm like, oh no, don't say that. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of, oops. Anyway, um, knock on wood. Um, yeah, so yeah, they don't get to live. So it's like, this is like one of those kind of, God, this is going to sound hokey as fuck, but this is, you know, this is a precious thing. Like this is, this is the best thing going. Like this is, as far as we know, like the best thing we can have, uh, being, being in a mortal body. Like, walking around in this meat vehicle is the best thing the universe has to offer. Our brain is the most complicated thing we have ever observed. Our bodies are kind of miraculous, and yeah, this is, this is a special kind of gift, and yeah, you're obligated, uh, to continue it as long as, you know, the, there is hope that it gets better. Because the, the idea is, you know, obviously, uh, it wouldn't be an obligation. You wouldn't have to be thinking about it if you didn't want, to, you know, if if the thought of ending it wasn't there it wouldn't be considered an obligation, it would be just a joy, which is the thing you're working towards. So the idea is to try to find a joyful life. The next part of your question is, are we obligated to live fully and completely? This is where it gets interesting. Not that that other part wasn't interesting. Not to say it was either. But you have to define fully and completely of are we obligated to are we obligated to cure an illness, to write a great book, to put out an amazing song, to you know to to help, to donate time to charitable causes to like to do those those great things you know to become a doctor to like you know to to live those giant lives to 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 reform the government and, and form a perfect utopia uh, no we're not obligated to do any of that stuff if you if you find um i forget who said it you know one of those cultural anthropologists that said you know uh, uh, follow your bliss if you find your bliss sitting in front of a couch and and watching television like that's you know that's where that you feel like your life is complete, just watching TV and movies and and eating junk food, and and I don't mean that like because there's a lot of people that do that to hide, but like if you literally just go that's literally, I find my completeness here, um you tried doing the other stuff and it's it's not you just it's not it's not your style, uh, yeah if that's the kind of completely and fully. You're referencing, then yes. There's two different yous going on here. By the way, Martin, I'm not. I'm not saying that you eat shitty food and sit on the couch watching TV. Uh, one was the general you, and the other was going back to the question. But yeah, so you're obligated to live fully and completely. But fully and completely is something that you've defined. That these are these are things that are defined by your own terms. So are we obligated to live fully and completely? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you have to do some fucking miraculous life. Now, I happen to know you're a good writer. So, like, you're, you're kind of fucked because you're fully and completely would be to continue writing and, like, you know, produce something that would be great to you. So, you're kind of fucked like I am. Like, I can't just get away with, like, oh, I'll, I'll find, you know, a happy living situation and, and, you know, whittle away my, my, my senior years in a, in a nice house with a lovely, lovely wife and, and, you know, kids and grandkids or whatever the, whatever the American dream is. Um, Yeah, I don't get that either. Like, my my living fully and completely is writing books and having homework every day for the rest of my life, which kind of blows, because, you know, let's face it, some people get to sit around on the couch and be complete. But the point is, yeah, you have to follow your own bliss. You have to live fully and completely within yourself, uh, within the capabilities that you have, and the capabilities that, you know, are set forth for you. And yeah, so yeah, you are, but that doesn't mean that you have to do anything special. Uh, It just, you know, you, you are obligated to keep living and to try to find a way to enjoy it, or at least take some kind of satisfaction from it, whatever, you know, whatever permutation uh, there is. I say permutation a lot tonight. I don't know what that's, what that's about. I must have read it in a book somewhere. Hmm. How delightful. Yes. And if not, is failing to do so really waste? Uh, yeah, it's a waste. Um, because it's all you have, you know, especially, I know you're, you're of the kind of the atheist background. I think you're, you're a, you know, a, a, you you use that word. Um, well, yeah, that is a waste because it's. I mean, it's just math. It's a waste. You know, it's. You know, you're. You know, you're. You you're. You're walking around in a- animated flesh. You know, the great miracle of science is why is there anything at all? So you know, as as a walking part of that everything. Yeah, it would be a waste because it's. You know, years of effort and evolution and and cells dividing and and just molecules upon molecules and just everything that led to your existence to just kind of shrug your shoulders and, and, and give in completely. Yeah. That's a waste. It is. Um, I think in the, in the struggle, there is a, there is value. There is, that's where, uh, the value of life can come. So yes, I think we are obligated to struggle and in that struggle, that's where, you know, that's where life is found. So there is that. So, Sorry, you guys stick around for a while. Um, yeah, all right. you know what, we're close enough to an hour. Uh, sh- Oh, here I'll give quick, uh, speaking of that last thing of sitting around, I've allowed myself recently, and this actually goes directly to that last answer, that's what I brought up, sitting around watching TV. I've allowed myself, in my quest to kind of get my head on straight, I've allowed myself a little bit more, like, kind of the simple pleasures. And... Uh, some of those are like not feeling bad about watching more media than than I used to be comfortable with. I, I felt like oh I should be reading books, I should be writing, I should be creating, something like that. Um So uh in that I started to watch some T V shows and I watched The Blacklist with James Spader on whatever channel that is, because I just found it online. And, uh, yeah, really fun show. I don't recommend it on a, like, I'm look if you're looking for, like, a, like, a life-changing show or something that's, like, you know, The Wire or, like, some really high-quality, like, holy shit show, this is not it. But James Spader, uh, is great in the role. He's, he's charismatic. He's that really great Iago-like villain where it's, he's just a slimy, just, he's a, he's a, he's a festering garbage pile of a human just does terrible fucking things. And did you find yourself kind of rooting for him? Not when he does the terrible things, but he, it's, it's, oh, let me give you the brief uh, rundown. Essentially, he's um, he's like this really badass criminal um, in like kind of intellectual criminal. Uh, you know, he's got his hands everywhere, you know, multinational kind of thing. And he shows up uh, to the CIA and, the, and he's like, look, you guys all know about me. You've been trying to catch me forever. What I want to do is I'm going to start handing you uh, really bad criminals, and you kind of you know give me some immunity from some of the shit I did. And uh, that's the black list, is the list that he's giving. Because he's obsessed with what the like lead lady on the show. Uh, the, I don't remember her name. But anyway. um, So, yeah, he is really good in it. The show is super predictable. Uh, there's really nothing going on there, but he, everybody does a good job. It's fun. It's very much that kind of episodic, just candy style of a show. But... It's delicious candy. So, if you're bored and you're just looking for something to occupy your time with, that's it. I like shows like that because I like it on in the background while I'm doing other things. It's nothing that you have to invest your whole time in. Like I don't I don't watch TV shows where it's I'm actually sitting there watching the whole episode of a show. I watch every second. It's, you know, on in the background. It's I'm playing around on the internet, I'm reading a book or something. Well, I usually don't read a book while stuff's on, but anyway, the point is for a show on that level, uh yeah, The Blacklist is quite um amusing. I also watched the premiere of Gotham, uh, the Batman prequel TV show. Not the show I was expecting. A lot kind of weirder and sillier and campier than I, than I thought it was going to be. But I think I'll probably keep watching it uh, I like Donald Logue, uh, which I don't know if I pronounced his name right, but he's one of those actors that I've liked forever, and I don't really know anything he's been in. He's like one of those guys. I mean, I've seen a bunch of stuff, but he's a, he's a, uh, redheaded Irish fellow. Um, he was in one of the Blade movies. He was in Copper, uh, a recent season. I don't know how many seasons that show went on. He was, uh, oh God, you know his face anywhere. Just look him up. Shut up, Alex. And yeah, it's really weird. It's, yeah, Gotham as a show is, it's, it's just odder than I was expecting. It's kind of got like this, I mean, it does have a camp to it. It's not 1960s Batman camp, but it's just, I'm not sure what they're doing. Like stylistically, they made some weird choices. Like they had this one, like they had one scene where Jim Gordon, who we're following, who's going to be commissioner Gordon during, you know, when Batman finally shows up, Um, he's running and they have like the camera. is like, you know, like not really a steady cam, but like a GoPro kind of strapped to his chest. And you're looking up at his face, like kind of looking up his nostril. And he's running and it's, you know, shaky cam. And it's like, what the fuck is this? Is this really, it was almost like that scene was better suited for like a a scene in um, like a, like a movie about drugs from like the mid nineties. You know, like a, what's the one with sick boy and train spotting. It was like a train spotting scene. I don't even know if that made sense. Anyway, the point is weird show, but um, kind of, you know, it's. I don't know. I'm going to try a couple more episodes because it's just... It's so much fucking weirder than I thought it was going to be. I really just thought it was going to be like, everything's grimy. Look at everybody. They're handsome and sad. That man stands in a corner pouting. And the evil person is also more evil than you thought. And sex. But it's more like... Hey, look, there's a baby version of all the villains you like, and like, it's just campy and weird, and like, there was an awkward scene where Jada Pinkett Smith was like, l- like, uh, testing out a stand up comic, and like, you listen to part of his set, it was just fucking weird. So, uh, I'll, I'll I'll keep watching, and maybe you guys can watch too, and we can talk about it later. We we all know that's not gonna happen. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's that's that. I th- I don't I don't think I watched anything else that I can report back. On. Oh, I watched the new episode of agents of shield and um that's uh it's season two and yeah i mean it's not it wasn't a great episode but it was it'll keep my attention i think not necessarily keep my attention it's more i think i'll probably let it wait a few weeks and then catch up you know binge watch but again it's fun to have on in the background And yeah, and I haven't watched a single bit of football this season. Um, I said I was going to the other day. I had it on. Well, I'm kidding. I did watch a bit. I had it on on my computer and then I just like I opened it up on a tab on a browser and then didn't actually check back in on it, really. And yeah. So that's that. This was a fucking weird episode. Anyway, this was the Alex cast. I've been Alex and um, you have been the audience. And oh, yeah. so. Please go to alexcast.com and click around stuff. There's the Amazon link if you're going to buy stuff on Amazon. Click there first. Audible if you want a free audiobook, all that stuff. And PayPal donations, Bitcoin donations, all that stuff. So just go, click around, see what's up. And, you know, find me on uh, Twitter at the Alexcast. Find me everywhere. Just reach out, uh, write me emails if you want to interact with the show. alexcast at gmail.com. I always spell Alex with two X's because that's how you spell it. Uh, Yeah, this this is important. So do that. Interact with the show. Write me questions. Ask me advice. I would like very much uh, to interact with you guys more because it's fun and it makes this thing easier. So yes, that is that. Okay. I've been Alex. You have been the audience. Thank you very much for listening. Namaste.